It's all, all great stuff. Some of it's sad, some of it happy, and, and, but all good. All of it really, really good. And I'm so thankful you guys are all here this morning. Um, will you guys just pray with me uh, just for this message? Father God, speak to us today. Lord, my prayer and always my prayer is that when we come to church, we experience you, that we hear from you, that it's not just something we, we go do so we can check mark and say, I went to church, but Lord, Father, that we can feel that we drew closer to you, Lord, also closer to each other, as the word of God says, as iron sharpens iron, so does a man or woman uh, uh, lift up the countenance of another. And Lord God, that is why we gather together, so that we can lift each other up, so that we can draw closer to you. So Lord, speak to us today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I'm uh, doing a new series, and and, uh, I've been talking about what it means to be unbroken. And I don't know how you feel, but sometimes I walk around and I I feel broken. I feel because of of the things that have happened in my past or or maybe the the way I kind of handle situations. I'm always feeling like I'm I'm just a little bit behind or or just falling a little bit short uh, of of the person that I should be. And I was thinking of, well, well, how... How do I, a person who's broken, how do I become, you know, unbroken? And, you know, that movie, I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, there was a book called Unbroken. Uh, They made a movie out of it. Uh, How how many of you either read the book Unbroken by Louis Zamperini or saw the movie? All right, amazing. You got to read the book, okay? It's definitely one of those things that you can't just see the movie. You have to read the book. And it's interesting, Louis Zamperini is this guy and... And his life is incredible. In his youth, he starts off as a runner, and he actually, uh, through the uh, college of USC, actually goes on to the, like, 1940, oh, 32, thank you, the 1932 Olympics, which was in Berlin, right? He went to Germany, and this was before World War II. He goes to Germany, he competes at Berlin, and of course he wins the gold, right? Then his, his life just continues to get more interesting, and Louis Zamperini then uh, um, gets drafted into World War II. Uh, he is put on one of those planes, um, those big bomber uh, planes, and I don't remember exactly what, he, what his job specifically was on the plane, but his plane gets shot down. They crash land in the Pacific Ocean, he, he survives uh, in the Pacific Ocean, and I, he was there for weeks uh, to the point of almost death. He's found, but he's not found by the Americans. He's found by the Japanese, so then he's taken from the uh, Japanese, he's taken and he's put in, a, uh, in one of those camps, those you know, military internment camps or whatever. It gets worse. Not only uh, did he just escape, you know, uh, death out in the ocean, but then he's tortured literally to the point of death uh, in one of these uh, Japanese uh, uh, internment camps. And you just keep, as you're reading the book, you're like, oh my gosh, anybody else would give up. Anybody else would give up. Of course, World War II ends, he, he's rescued. But what was interesting, the movie stops right there. 
The movie says, wow, look at this guy, Lou Zamperini. He made it. He did it. He was unbroken, man. You know, he, he escaped death and he was beaten and tortured and all these things. And man, they didn't break him. The thing that you don't see in the movie that you read in the book was Louis Zamperini's life when he came back was very broken. He was a broken man. He became an alcoholic. He uh, 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 you know, started becoming very abusive to his wife. He suffered from uh, PS, um, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, which back then they didn't know about PSD. And so you know, the, all these things... Uh, you know, started to happen to him, and he literally became a broken man. Until one day, one day, he went to a one of those you know revival outreach by the by the uh, you know great evangelist Billy Graham, and he goes to a Billy Graham crusade, and Billy Graham tells him about Jesus and tells him that Jesus can make you unbroken, that he can take your brokenness, and no matter what you've been through, and no matter what has happened to you, and something happened in Louis Zamperini that day. He found Jesus. He gave Jesus his whole life. Now, what part that I skipped was, Louis Zamperini was holding on to hatred against his captors. There was a specific man that would beat him Every single day, and they called him the bird. You know, I don't remember why they called him, but he was called the bird. And this guy, every single day, would beat him, and he had so much hatred that he wanted to go back there, and he had, he had murder in his heart. He wanted to kill this man. And on that day, on that day when he found Jesus, he forgave the bird. And because of that, Louis Zamperini found healing. That is Louis Zamperini's real testimony, and that is when Louis Zamperini became unbroken, that even though he was a broken man, when he found Jesus was when he truly became unbroken. There's a scripture in Luke 20, verse 18, that says this, whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Now, the stone is, is associated with Jesus. Jesus is called the chief cornerstone. He is what we build the church upon. See, the church, the, the church of today, the church of uh, the New Testament is not a brick-and-mortar church. It is people. We are the church. We are the brick-and-mortar, and we are founded upon the chief cornerstone who is Jesus the Christ. And this scripture is talking about two ways that you can be broken. You can either fall on the stone, being Jesus, or the stone can crush you. And let me explain what, what that means. See, there's two types of being broken. There's, there, there's allowing Jesus Christ into your life and, allow, and basically throwing up your hands in a sign of surrender and saying, I am going to stop trying to do this all on my own. This thing called life, this, this trying to get my act together, this thinking that I can do it all on my own power. I'm going to finally say and throw my hands up in the air and saying, I give up. And Jesus, come into my life. I put my trust in you. That is when he breaks us of our sin. That is when he breaks us of all of the chains that bind. That is when he breaks us of all those things that, that seem to have their hook in us. All those toxic, 
all those damaging things that are in our lives, he breaks those things. But there's another way. There is complete turning our back against Jesus and that complete unbelief and that complete saying, I can do this all on my own. And that's what this scripture means that, listen, there's, you're going to experience the chief cornerstone in one of those two ways. Either you fall upon him and let him break you so that he can build you back up or it will eventually crush you if you do not believe. If you do not believe. I want to look at some scriptures today, and I want to start in, in Luke uh, uh, 22. We're going to, as I said, Luke 20. Now we're going to jump to Luke 22. But let's look at when Jesus, let's look at Jesus' words as, as they take the first communion with his disciples. And it's just that one verse, Luke, uh, Luke 22, uh, uh, verse 19. And it said, Jesus, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. See, a couple weeks ago, I talked about what it meant to have an unbroken mind. And and last week, I talked about the the Holy Spirit and and, and how we can have an unbroken spirit. But today, I want to talk about having what it means to have an unbroken body. You see, we live in a sinful world, that we live in a fallen world. The Bible says all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. So that's all of us. There's nobody in here who's excluded from this. But you see, Jesus came, and he knows that we have sickness. He knows that that we live in this broken world. He knows that we suffer from a, a broken mind, a broken spirit, and a broken body. And Jesus even symbolized that by taking unleavened bread, which represented uh, something that had no sin, and he was saying, listen, this, this represents me. This, this bread that I'm, I'm holding, this represents me, and I'm breaking it as a, represent, as a representation of my body being broken for you so that you can live a whole life. You guys, Jesus wants you to be whole mind, body, and spirit. He wants you to be complete. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. You see, we can experience that wholeness. We can experience an an unbroken body But again, we have to fall upon the chief cornerstone, who is Jesus. We have to submit ourselves. We have to surrender. And I want to talk about that a little bit more. We're going to to jump over to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. We're going to look at the ministry of Jesus, and we're going to see that he cared for people so much that when he looked upon people, he saw them, he saw their brokenness, and he touched them, and he healed them. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 1. It says, And Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, 
Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your heart? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw that this happened. And they praised God for sending a man with such great authority. Your sins are forgiven. See, we have to understand that this brokenness that we live in starts with sin. It starts with sin. Adam and Eve, it starts when they were told, do not eat of the fruit. Do not touch the tree. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge, you know, of good and evil. Don't touch it. And what did they do? They disobeyed God and they went and did it. That is when sin entered the world. And from that moment on, we are now living in this fallen world. We are now living in a world that is actually dying, that is actually decaying. And we live in these bodies that are also doing the same. So we have to first understand that it is sin. And the only one, the only one who can combat that sin, the only one that can forgive you of that sin is Jesus. He is the only one who died. He is the only one who paid the price. You see, it says the wages of sin or the payment for your sin is death. And Jesus paid for that sin for us. So Jesus came. He was the only one that had the authority to forgive sin. That is why Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven you. And We see in this that there is a connection between sin and between our our brokenness in in our physical bodies. Now, let me also explain this. Just because you are sick does not mean that that there's a sin in your life, you know, like we talk about in the church. Like, oh, wow, that person's been really, really sick. They must be doing something really, really bad. That's not what that means. It means we live in a fallen world. We all suffer We all have broken bodies. We all hurt. We all are susceptible to disease and and, and bacteria and all these things that attack our bodies. But what we need to understand is that Jesus, when he's healing you, he's more concerned about your spiritual health. He's more concerned about your salvation. But through that, through that, you can find healing in your physical body. Jesus was more concerned about our spiritual health, so when we deal with sin in our life, Jesus can start to heal us. Psalms 38, this is, a, this is a, a, one of those prayers, one of those, those cries out of David, and, and you guys all know, if, you, if you've ever read uh, you know, the book of, of Samuel and the Kings, you guys know that David was not perfect. 
That King David was also a, a sinful man. And, and, in, and in, when David is now lamenting over his sin, he, he, he pens this psalm and it says, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline, discipline me in your rage. Your arrows have struck deep and your blows are crushing me. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and, and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain all day long. I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. David knew he had sinned. And it had affected him so deeply that, that he felt it in his body. That David understood the connection between disobedience to God and his own physical health. So let's look at a, another one of Jesus' responses. Jesus responds another way to another person. In Matthew chapter 9, the same chapter, now jumping over to verse 18, let me read you this story. As Jesus was saying this, the leader of a synagogue came and knelt before him. My daughter has just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you come and lay, hands, uh, lay your hand on her. So Jesus and his disciples got up uh, and went with him. Just then a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe for she thought, if I could just Touch his robe, I will be healed. Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that very moment. That other stories uh, uh, kind of describe this a little bit more intensely. That, that Jesus was walking through a crowd and he had all of his disciples around him. And so he was probably, you know, hitting up against a lot of people. And he's probably being jostled around as they were going through the crowd. Because he was the, the great healer. He was the great, you know, Messiah. And he was, he was the one, the great teacher. And so flocks of crowds would always go to him. So to imagine that there was this woman so desperate... For God to touch her, that she would push her way through all of these people. She would push her way. I would imagine that if she touched the hem of his garment, that meant she was crawling on the ground. She was on her hands and knees because she knew she had to touch Jesus. She knew nothing was going to stop her. And so she reaches out and she says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be healed. And instantly when she does that, she's healed. And Jesus said, someone's touched me. And the disciples look at him and say, Jesus, everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? And he says, no, someone has touched me because I've literally felt the power like flow out of me. And he turns around and he must have seen her on the ground, on her hands and knees. And I could just imagine he picked her up and he stood her up and he said, your faith has made you well. You guys, nobody prayed for her. Nobody laid hands on her. Nobody anointed her with oil. She was healed because of her faith. She believed that Jesus was who he says he was. She believed. You guys, Jesus is always wanting us to have faith in him. 
in every part of our lives. Jesus is wanting you to trust him with whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, that you would not be afraid and you would be so bold to say, you know what, Jesus, I believe in you so much that I'm willing to get on my hands and knees and crawl and push through and push aside until I can just touch you. And because of her faith, because of our faith, we will see God perform miracles in our lives. You guys, belief in Jesus is what sets us free. In John 16, it says the sin of the world is our unbelief. John 16, 9 specifically says the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. I have a question for you. As Christians, we can kind of ride the fence on this one. We, I don't know about you, but this is been true in my life in certain times, that I'll believe in God for one thing, but then I'm over here in another situation and my belief is like out the window, right? I'll trust God over here and say, oh, the Lord's gonna do great things over here, but then another area in my life, you know, maybe it's like finance or something, I say, oh my gosh, we are doomed. We're gonna get kicked out of our house. We're gonna be homeless. Oh God, you know, and I got, God's gotta be up there just shaking his head going, Matthew, I don't get you. Why is it that you can be over here believing with me for this one thing over here? You know, you're praying for somebody. and Oh, I got so much belief and so much faith. But then over here, I'm like, oh, forget about it. I'm doomed. But do you guys relate to that? Do you relate that as Christians, we can seem to trust God on, on one hand, but on the other hand, you know, we have, our trust just seems to go right out the window. You guys, God is wanting you to have such desperate faith in him that it doesn't matter what it is, you're saying, you know what, I'm gonna push through this. I'm gonna seek God in this. I'm gonna believe for him. If he could do a miracle over here, then he can do a miracle over there. If he could heal me before, he can heal me again. Let's look at one more passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is now Peter, Peter the apostle. I'm sorry, Paul the apostle. Paul the apostle in 2 Corinthians 12, talking about the, the thorn in his flesh. The thorn in his flesh. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn is in my flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. So concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I have prayed that prayer of faith before. And I have seen God do other things. I have seen God not necessarily answer my prayers. And literally, I've experienced these times where I've felt God saying, Matthew, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. 
through my childhood. I, I've, I've shared a, a lot about my childhood. You know, when I was seven, my, my parents divorced, and, and so I, I grew up in a, a single-parent home, and I, you know, I would go to my dad's, and I'd go to my mom's, and, you know, there was the, kind of a lot of the back and forth. And I never, ever thought as a child that God would use my experiences. I used to pray all the time that my parents would get back together. Every, every child who's had their parents divorce or separate or, or whatever has, has prayed that prayer, Lord, I want my parents back together. It never happened. But you want to know the miracle that did happen? When I was 18 years old, I was asked by a children's pastor if I would come and if I would volunteer in the children's ministry. And I sat in this children's ministry completely wondering why I was there what, what did God have for me with kids? I didn't know kids. I didn't know how to work with kids. And I'm sitting in this room, and the pastor says, hey, you know, will you leaders, and that was me, I was one of the leaders, will you go and, and, and get in the small groups with the kids? So I took probably about four or five boys and sat in a corner with them, and, and the pastor said, well, you guys just have a little prayer time. So, of course, I'm going around the circle. Hey, what can I pray? What, how can I pray for you? And the one kid says, oh, please pray. My dog's sick. And, you know, you know, it's kind of the typical second grader prayer. And they got to this one boy. This one boy looked at me and said, could you pray for me? My mom and dad are getting a divorce. In that instant, I knew exactly how he felt. And in that instant, all of a sudden, I flashed back. And I realized, you know what, God? Everything I experienced was not for, you know, vain. It wasn't vain, all the stuff that I experienced that I now in that moment I could minister to this kid. And I looked right at him. I said, I know exactly how you feel. And I'm going to pray for you. And in that moment, I knew what God had called me to do. I became a children's pastor not long after that. I found my calling, and it was through brokenness. I found my calling through brokenness. God took something that was broken, and he redeemed it. And he redeemed it. And since then, I've, I've done, you know, vacation Bible schools. And I've spoken up at camps. And I've, you know, I, I've done all kinds of children's ministries. One of my passions. God wanted to use me, even in my own hurt and even in my own pain. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. Listen, there's some of you who are walking around and you feel broken. You're feeling like, I'm a mess. How is God going to be able to use me? Boy, if you only knew the thoughts that go on in my mind. I would say to you, as I experienced in that moment when I was 18 years old, I would say, God wants to use that. God wants to use the, the broken things in your life. God wants to take those things and he wants to redeem it. And through that, that even though maybe those, that pain is still there, that through that pain and through that anguish and through that brokenness that you could speak into somebody else's life and bring healing. Not just healing to you, but healing to that other person. To be honest with you, you guys, that sting hasn't completely gone away of my parents' divorce. It's still there. It still pricks every so often, it, you know, especially around the holidays and, and things like that. But every time... I'm able to use it to minister to somebody. I experience healing, and I pray that that other person is experiencing healing. So there, there's two types of healing that happens. 
when we come to Christ, when we, when we believe for the very first time, we're saved. There's a salvation that happens. But then there's this healing that seems to happen just day after day after day after day. And it, I feel like, boy, when I finally find healing in one area of my, of my life, I feel like, oh, wow, there's another thing. I didn't even know about that. And see, it feels like God's just continuing to peel back, peel back, peel back, and he's just healing me and healing. I would say, you guys, let him. Let him. Those things, those, those thoughts that you have and those, those parts where you feel that you're broken, that's where we need to trust in the Lord. That's where we need to have faith like that, that woman and say, here, God, please take it. Take it. And when we're praying for other people, we can come alongside them. But I noticed in through these scriptures that it needs to be our faith for ourselves as much as the body of Christ coming along. And the Bible does say to lay hands on the sick and pray for them. The Bible says that we are to come alongside and, and, and pray, and we are to anoint the sick, that we are supposed to do those things. But I'm noticing that in all of these stories, it really had to do with the person who was broken, that God was doing something in them. And so really, it's on you, those of you who are seeking after healing, those of you who are praying and believing, it's really on you. And I'm not, I don't mean that to say to, to discourage you by any means, but what I'm saying is it's your faith walk, not mine. It's your walk of faith. Because truly in that walk and the process of it is where you find healing, is where you go from being broken to unbroken. I'm going to ask the, the, the worship team to come on back up here. And we're, we're going to go kind of back into a time of, of, of worship. But we do once a month, and, and really we should do it way more often than this, but we want to pray for you. The Bible does say to lay hands on the sick, for the church to come together, to bring the elders of the church up, and to lay hands on the sick. The other thing the Bible says is to anoint the sick with oil, a representation of God's presence upon that person. The oil isn't what cures you, isn't what heals you. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you. So we're going to go back into a time of worship. And as we're doing that, if I can also call my, my, my prayer team forward. We're just going to be up here. And if you need a touch today, if you're one of those who say, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm feeling broken. And I want to experience the Jesus who, who comes to heal all of my brokenness that you can come up here and, and we're going to pray with you. We're going to lay hands on you and we're going to believe, but really this is your journey. This is your walk. This is what, what do you believe, right? What do you believe? And don't be afraid like that woman who was so desperate for Jesus. Jesus didn't leave her hanging. She wasn't left there in the dirt to wonder and to ask questions into why Jesus met her there. And it was because of her faith. It's because of your faith. And remember, Jesus also says, but through your weakness, I am made strong. So even in our weakness, even in our brokenness, even in our infirmities, we can say, I pray that God would use this for him to get the glory. Because we know that as Christ's followers, we will all be healed one day, 
we will all stand in the presence of God in our, in our new bodies with no sin, no sickness. That is what we're all striving for. That is what we're all believing for. So listen, I would ask that you wouldn't leave today without us praying for you if that's something that you need. But would you guys mind standing with us and just kind of going back into a time of worship? Go ahead, Chris.